Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. And she asked me, she said, Does, is there, do you have any special needs in your church or anything that, that our life group could get involved in, any kind of special ministries? So we uh, mentioned uh, the the Life Village. And uh, lo and behold, they came out Monday night. She said, they, uh, Crystal said they didn't get there till 8 o'clock. Showed up at 8 o'clock on Monday night and, and just jumped right in and, and just did all of this work and everything. I was just really, really impressed by that. And, uh, and she was telling me the other day, I talked to Tiffany afterwards. She said she went home, straight home, took a bath because <laughs> it was just really a lot of, a lot of hard work. But uh, I was just so impressed by them and their ministry. And if you didn't, if you didn't have the opportunity to, to hear her testimony, I would, I would suggest that you, if you have an opportunity ever in the future to, to listen to her testimony, hear what God has done through her, that you do it. Also, I want to say thank you to all of the guys that came out yesterday and helped. We got a lot of work done. We got a lot more to do, but we got a lot of work done, and you guys were amazing. And uh, I just, I just appreciate that so much. Also, look around. Do you notice anything different this morning? You guys aren't very observant. You notice the different colors over here. Nolan and Elisa came in this week, and they painted, and they just did an awesome job, and and just totally transformed everything up there. You don't notice it as much. That's the good thing, right? So uh, we're, we're just so grateful for what they've done and, and appreciative of, of everything. And I, I just want to say, and it goes without saying, that there are so many people that do so much all the time that never get any recognition, and they're not looking for it. They just want to serve the Lord, and they do it so admirably. And I could stand up here and name names today, and I'm not going to do that because surely as I do, I'll leave somebody out. But you know, it, it takes teamwork there's an old slogan, teamwork makes the dream work. You know what I'm talking about? And I think if there's no I in team, they'll all get involved. Everybody does their part. And, and we have an amazing team around here that does a lot. And I'm, I just want to say thank you to, to everyone who's, who's involved in, in helping around here, which is everybody, I think. But um, also, I want to just give a shout out this morning to those who are watching us on Facebook live right now. A lot of people couldn't be here because they're sick, but we just want you to know you're not forgotten this morning. We're praying for you. We're praying for Brittany, and Brittany said she was going to be watching this morning, and Lynn, who's home in in the bed with this stuff that's going around. You know, whatever's going around came around Lynn and got him too, so uh, I'm not letting it come around me. I'm rebuking it in Jesus' name. I'm standing in faith and believing God, and I got no time for it, so devil, you can just keep your stuff. I don't want it. I don't want it. And uh, that's, that's kind of the attitude we got to have, but we got to stand in faith and believe God. So with that being said this morning, I think before we even move any farther, you know, I was just thinking this week, we got such a loving Heavenly Father. And, you know, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, beg of me or beg and it will be given to you. Plead and it will be given to you. I don't see any of that. All I see is Jesus said, if you Ask anything in my name, I will do it. How many believe that? 
If we ask anything in his name, he said he would do it. We don't have to beg. We don't have to plead. We don't have to get down our face and just cry out to God and, and all of this stuff. All we got to do is ask and believe. That's the thing that God wants us to do. And, and sometimes, it seems like sometimes the only way people can believe is to get down on the face and crawl around and grovel and everything else. And after a while, they finally get it. Well, I pleaded with God enough. Okay, he's got it now. So we get up and we're like, but you know, God never told us to do that, did he? Jesus went into the garden. He prayed all night. Why did he do that? Because he had so much to pray about. And there are a lot, there's a lot to pray about. There's always a lot to pray about. I mean, Jesus had the burdens of the whole world on his shoulder. How would you like to have that responsibility? Huh? I'd be praying all night too, wouldn't you? And he did this regularly. As a matter of fact, he, he took his disciples with him. Remember that? The Garden of Gethsemane? Knowing what he was facing, he took Peter and John, James and John with him and says, and when he gets to the Garden of Gethsemane, he says in, in Matthew 26, he says, y'all, you just, you got to stay right here and pray with me. I'm going to go yonder and I'm going to pray. I want you to pray with me. So he comes back and what was going on when he got back? They were snoozing. They were laying before the Lord. And, and Jesus said, could you not just pray with me for one hour? Now, what is prayer? I want to just throw this out with you for a moment. What is prayer? It's communion with God. It's just talking to Father. And when we get a hold of that, we begin to understand it. No longer does prayer become laborious. No longer is prayer an, an inconvenience or an importunity. Prayer is something that we desire to do because we understand the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. So it's like you're walking along and you're just talking to God. You know, Lord, I'm going over here to pray for so and so and I really need you to come through. And we just, you know, when we get there, we're ready to go, you know. But so often our mind is fixed on other things, not in communion and relationship with God. Now, we have kind of had a theme for the month of December concerning Jesus. And Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Have, have they all ever been in a place that was totally and completely dark where you couldn't see anything? I mean, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. My wife and I, when we got married, we went out to Gatlinburg and we went to a tavern or a cavern, cavern, not a tavern, a cavern. <laughs> She wanted to go to the tavern, but we went to the cavern instead. <laughs> She'll get me when I get home. We went, to the, we went to a cavern, and we went way, way, way down into the belly of the earth. You know, and you get down in there, and there's all these blind trout and everything else. And it was, it was an amazing thing to see. But while we're in there, just for a moment, they turned the lights off. Just so we could experience what real darkness is really all about. And without Jesus in our life, that's what we have in our spirit. We have spiritual darkness. Spiritual darkness. And Isaiah said about Jesus, he said, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And that's who Jesus is to us. As a matter of fact, if we, if we look at John chapter 1, we see that in the beginning, this is the New Living Translation, in the beginning, we know the King James Version of it is, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And, and, but in the New Living Translation, 
it says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. Word, everybody say word. He existed in the beginning. Notice it says he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. In verse four, it says the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Wow. You can say anything you want to anywhere. You can invoke the name of Muhammad. You can invoke the name of Buddha. You can invoke the name of any other entity you want to, but if you invoke the one name, all of a sudden everybody gets offended. What is that name? Jesus. Yet we know that every other name will bow and humble themselves to that name. It's the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, and yet the world darkness does not like the light. Why does the darkness not like the light? Jesus said it's because their deeds are evil. Darkness cannot handle light because people want to continue in the darkness to do what they want to do because light exposes darkness. Well, God gave us the gift of light. I was just curious about why we have this tradition of exchanging gifts on Christmas. You would think that it was dreamed up by the retailers. Because it's really fallen into a commercial realm. I mean, you can't get past 4th of July without Christmas decorations going up and displays and everything. And you start getting these things in the, in the mail and everything else. It's been like that for ages. I remember as a little boy, you know, before we even had all of that stuff. We, we had advertisements and stuff, but they didn't start you know, the Christmas ads until November. We usually would wait back to Thanksgiving. But we had what we called Sears and Roebuck catalogs. <laughs> Western Auto catalogs. And, you know, we had all these catalogs, which around our house had a dual purpose. <laughs> we didn't know the beginning of Charmin. We, we lived up in the mountains of North Carolina, so you can just take it from there. <laughs> But I would always just get real excited when those catalogs would start coming because I'd start dreaming about the gifts. You know, certain things that I always wanted to get and, and I'd just be all hyped up waiting for, for Christmas and I would send letters to wherever, whoever Santa was. I never could really get his address right or something because they always kept coming back. <laughs> never really got those things that I really wanted. You know what I'm talking about? But, you know, we had enough. We were taken care of. But I just always was curious about where this gift-giving thing came from. But, you know, it started out as a good tradition because it was, it was symbolic of the gift that was brought by the wise men and given to Jesus. Something of value that they brought because they were recognizing his kingship, his lordship. The, you know, they traveled from afar. It wasn't like... Boom, Mary has the baby, and the next day they show up. It was like they traveled for years, several years to get there. They saw a sign. They saw a star in the east, and they started following that star until they got to the place where Jesus was. 
And when they got there, they carried with them some things that were precious. Now, I've got this little thing in my pocket here. And this is oil of frankincense. I use it for anointing. I, I used to carry the little things around, the little glass vials, but they kept getting broken in my pocket. And I'd walk around smelling sweet. You know what I'm talking about? But um, so I started getting this, and it's like a little salve. And as you can see, it's almost empty because we've done a lot of anointing with it. And, uh, but, you know, I, I could just pass this around, and you could smell it. You knew, just, just give that a whiff. It smells delightful, doesn't it? What that is is frankincense and myrrh. And this was actually put into the anointing oil. God told Moses to put this to make an anointing oil using frankincense and myrrh, several other spices that they would put into the anointing oil. And that's what they used to anoint the priest, to anoint the kings. And and it was something of, of intricate value. And the gifts that they brought to Jesus, gold, Gold is the only metal that doesn't tarnish. You know, silver, you put silver on your finger, it turns green after a while. But gold will never tarnish. You know, I've got this little gold band on my finger here. And, and it's been through a lot. I mean, I've worked with it and worked on cars with it and everything else. But it, it, it never tarnishes. And we use it to symbolize marriage and, and the eternal of, of covenant that we have within the marriage covenant. And we use it to symbolize a lot of things, but it has great value and it's the most valuable of the metals that we have besides the new metals, titanium and stuff like that. But um, we, we know that they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh and presented them to Jesus because they recognized that he was the king. They were looking for a king and when Herod found out about it, he got a, he got a little bit over uh, excited and zealous and, and wanted to extinguish any possibility of any any uh, uh, kings or any anything that would 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 threaten his throne. So so we know that he he went on a rampage. But gift giving has been was 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 introduced probably to the Christian church and 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 we've carried that on through the through the ages. In Christendom, and I always wondered why that was. That that won't cost you anything. That's free. But I want to. I just want to tell you that there's no gift that can match the gift that God has given us. Jesus was talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus when he told him about the gift that God had given us, and he said that. He told Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, the only way that you can get into heaven is to be born again. And Nicodemus said, I don't understand. What do you mean be born again? Can a man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? I mean, we laugh at that. But what would you think if someone told you that, and you didn't understand the spiritual implications of what he's talking about, you naturally would think, because the carnal mind thinks in one way, and the spiritual mind thinks in another, and Nicodemus was a man of the law. He didn't understand spiritual things. So he says, how can a man be born again? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no, he must be born from above, must be born of the Spirit. 
And God has given us a gift. That light that pierced darkness was Christ himself coming in the form of a baby and revealing to us the Father. Not just the heart of the Father, but the character of the Father, the Father himself, because Jesus said, if you've seen me, who have you seen? You've seen the Father. And it says in Hebrews chapter 3 that, that he was the exact representation of the Father. Think about that. He was God with us. As it says in Matthew that he shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And he came and lived among us, and, 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 but he brought something to us. He brought salvation to us. And when we think about the word salvation, so often we think about Jesus brought to us the gift of salvation, which cleanses us of our sin and absolves us of our guilt, and it helps us to escape hell. Isn't that what we think? I mean, be honest. How many of you came to Jesus because you didn't want to go to hell? You know? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, I didn't relish the thought, but, you know, we don't talk much about that anymore. We don't want to talk about hell. We want to talk about all the positive things, but I want to tell you something. You know, we, we had a drama here not too long ago called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And I don't care how well you acted, which we had some good actors here. I don't think any of us could ever possibly do justice to portraying the horrors of hell. Jesus talked about one man who died. I did a sermon on this one time called The Preacher from Hell. Anybody, you, well, you might get ideas about that, but this was a guy, <laughs> this was a guy that was sitting one day and he was thinking to himself, you know, I've got everything I need. I've got so much wealth. I mean, I've got the world by the tail. I don't know what to do with everything i got. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build greater ones. And I'll store up all of my wealth. I'll build my 401k. I will do all of these things. And then I'll retire and I'll sit back and I'll take life easy. But the scripture says in Mark that that very night, he lifted up his eyes in hell. And it didn't say he was partying with his friends. It didn't say he was having a good time. It said that when he lifted up his eyes in hell, he was in torment. And he began to cry out as he looked across the gulf that was fixed between him and someone that he saw in the distance who was Father Abraham. And Father Abraham had someone with him. And this someone turned out to be a man by the name of Lazarus, who that every day that this rich man walked down the streets of his domain, and this man, all this Lazarus wanted, he was a beggar. And he begged this man, please, please, let me just come into your house. I'll sit at the feet of your servants, and if you'll just let me catch the crumbs that fall off the table, I'll be happy. But he denied him even that. But now... Lazarus is with Abraham. And this man sees him and he says, Father Abraham, please 
Please let Lazarus dip his finger in some water and come and cool my parched tongue for I am tormented in these flames. Can you get a picture of that? But the thing of it is, it's not a temporary situation. It's permanent. And Abraham says, I can't come to you. There's a, there's a great gulf fixed between us. I cannot come to you. He said, well, please send Lazarus. He said, I can't. We, would you please, if you can't help me, would you send somebody to warn my brothers not to come to this place? But he says, even if Abraham and the prophets were to go, and speak to them, they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And these are the kind of people that Jesus was talking about that relished the darkness and despised the light. They chose to reject the gift that God has given, the gift of light, the gift of his son who brings light into our spirit and reveals the father to us. Some choose to live in their darkness rather than to accept the light because their deeds are evil and they enjoy it. The Bible says about Moses in the book of Hebrews, it says that Moses made a choice. And Moses' choice was to endure the afflictions of his people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for how long? A season. And there is pleasure in sin for a season. The euphoria that we get when we do drugs and those kind of things, it's pleasurable for a moment, but it only leaves you wanting more. You're never satisfied. The sexual gratifications that we get when we have that act is pleasurable only for a moment, but it leaves us wanting more and it leaves us empty and we can never satisfy it. That is the pleasures of sin that are only seasonable, seasonal. And after a while, it becomes mundane. I can only tell you in my own experience when I was living in sin, I mean, I, I tried everything I could think of under the sun. It's just like Solomon said, or the writer of Ecclesiastes says, he says, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless, and a, and a striving after wind or, or chasing after wind. We, we chase after this pleasure. We chase after that pleasure. We go after this. We go after that. And we do all of this for so long. And after a while, it's just like, man, I'm so sick of sin, I can't stand it. I'm so tired of it. It's just left me worn out and empty and broke. I can't handle it anymore. I don't want anymore. And you know, that's not a bad place to be if, if we turn to the light and we accept the gift that God has given us, the greatest gift that has ever, ever, ever been given. When Jesus said, to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. He goes on to explain in, in chapter 3 in John, he says in, in chapter 3 in verses 16, 17, and 18, let, let me just kind of jump over there. It says, for God so loved the world, he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Now, this is a gift that lasts forever. How many have gotten gifts and, 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 you know, they last for a while, then they're gone? You know, like expensive colognes and stuff. I love it, but it only lasts a while. Then you got to replenish it. 
That's expensive. Or you have this gift, you know, you get, you get something with a fresh set of batteries and you enjoy it for a while and the batteries run out. Or it begins to break or whatever, you know, they don't last forever. But this is a gift that lasts forever. Does anybody know how long eternal is? Jesus said of himself in Revelation, he said, I am the first and the last. I am that which was and that which is and that which is to come. That pretty well sums it up, doesn't you? That, that is eternal. Timelessness. No beginning, no end. Forever existent. Omnipresent. It's not Santa Claus, it's Jesus. The greatest gift that is ever given. The gift that lasts forever. And priceless at that. How can you attach a value to, a gift, to the gift that God has given? Gold, the most valuable and lasting metal on earth. And frankincense and myrrh, extremely valuable. The best that we could ever offer. And, and, and fitting for a king, but no match for the gift given to us by our Heavenly Father. And this is the thing we've got to understand. You know, the law is a judge. Whenever you have the law, you always have a judge and a jury, right? You always have someone to exact guilt or to absolve you of your, of your guilt, to either justify you or condemn you. But the law always condemns us because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When I say all, you know what that word is? The little Greek word, pas, P-A-S. It means everything, everyone, all, everybody. Everybody say all. all. So does that include you? Yes. Yeah, includes you. Includes me. Well, I'm not a sinner. I've never done anything wrong. You were born, weren't you? You were born into sin. You're, you're, you're just as guilty you're just as guilty as the man who's stolen. You're just as guilty as the man who's, who's, who's done anything else. I mean, we're all just as guilty. Everybody say, I'm guilty. We are. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. I mean, when we look at the sinlessness of God, we all fall short of that. We cannot attain to that righteousness, that level of righteousness on our own. We need help. Everybody say, I need help. <laughs> Boy, do I ever. We all do. But here's the deal. God sent Jesus, his only begotten son, into the world. Not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He didn't send Jesus to judge us. He sent him to save us. And yet we look at Jesus and, and the first thing we say, I don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> well, you hypocrite. Who do you think you are? We don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites, but we're just as hypocritical as the hypocrites. And uh, let's just face it all. Folks, we're all hypocrites. We all try to attain to a certain level of righteousness on our own, but we all fall short. 
And we act just as righteous and holy and pure as you want to. I mean, it's just like we were out here yesterday messing around. And, and, and Bill Parker picks up this long splinter out there. He says, don't try to get the splinter out of your brother's eye when you got a log in your own. Good lesson. We should have brought that in here. We could have used, used that one today, right? We look at everybody else and we want to help everybody else. You know, we carry our own back patter around with us. And we'll pull it out and we pat ourselves on the back. I've been good. And it's like Jeremy said, but God is not sitting up in heaven with a naughty or nice list. We're all sinners. That's the thing. But the beauty of it is he didn't come to judge us. He didn't come to judge sinners. He came to save us. He came to save us. That's what Jesus came for. That's the beauty of it. The greatest gift ever, ever, ever given to mankind. Now, there are two words for salvation or saved. One of the words is S-O-T-E-R-I-A. Soteria. Soteria. You know what that means? It means saved as if saved from, from a pit or saved from drowning or, or saved from death itself. We're saved, right? We're delivered. But the other word that is used is a little four-letter word. It's a good four-letter word. It is the word S-O-Z-O. But it is pronounced sodzo. Sodzo. Everybody say sozo. And if you want a synonym for that word in the English language, it would be the word wholeness. To be made whole. Spirit, soul, and body. Complete. We are complete in him. We got Jesus. We got all we need. We got all we need. We're complete. I mean, take a good look at me. I'm not going to get any better than this. Sorry, honey. Because in the eyes of my father, I'm as good as it gets. Because he made him who knew no sin to become sin for me. So that I might become the righteousness of God in him. And that's right as rain. That's good as you're going to get. To become the righteousness of God in him. It don't get any better than that. So stop fretting. You know, we strive. We strive for perfection. And, and you know, that's okay. If that's what you need, I, I, but you know what? I just accept the fact that Jesus has sowed on me. I'm whole. I'm complete in him. I say it all the time, and, and, and I really mean it. I mean, I'm not jesting when I say this, that I'm convinced that my father loves me more than he loves anybody else. And you can say, well, you're, you're being stupid. No, I'm not. I mean, he's proven it to me. He proves it to me every day. 
My father loves me so much and I know that. How do I know that? Because he forgave me. He cleansed me. He loves me. He blesses me. I live in his divine favor. And when we're walking in the favor of God, man, it don't get any better than that. And why do we walk in the favor of God? Well, do you love your kids? Do you? What do you want to do for them? Man, we, we take their Christmas list and we look it over and we're like, I don't know how we're going to do this, honey, but we're going to do it. We have to break the bank. We're going to do it. And we want to give them everything that they want, don't we? Why? Because we love them. But you know what? I have my Father's divine favor on me. The cool thing is, He knows what I need and what I don't need. He's so much wiser than I am. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. And sometimes He don't give me what I ask for because I don't really need it and it's not good for me. But He gives me what I need. And He favors me. Boy, I, I was talking to Crystal back there earlier this morning and and we were talking about Life Village and, and, and how she came to me about a year ago. It's almost been a year. And we sat down and she began to share the vision that God had laid on her heart for the Life Village. And, and, and I, we both got so excited and, and we knew it was a God thing. And, and, and now a year later to see how God has brought things along and where they're progressing. And I told her, I said, you haven't even scratched the surface yet to what God is going to do with this ministry, this amazing ministry, and, and such a blessing that it is. But the favor of God is just overtaking her. It overtakes us, and it just, we, it's, God just knows how to give, don't he? But the greatest gift he's ever given was himself. The greatest gift he's ever given was his heart. You can't match that gift. That's priceless, isn't it? I love verse 17, and I'm going to read this to you. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this one fact. God's light, Jesus Christ, came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than light for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they're doing what God wants. That good stuff. I mean, I think I lived in fear well, I know I did when I was living in sin. With certain people, I didn't want to find out what I was doing. You know what I mean? You want to keep your sins hidden. And I remember one certain incident in my life where I, where I did something, and I hid something in a building thinking that nobody would ever find it. And um, I, won't, I won't tell you what it, what it is because God knows. But uh, it, it shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had it in my possession. Let's put it that way. And I hid it, thinking nobody would ever find it. And I, I went out one day, and, and, and I looked, and, and, and there were like four of them, and one was missing. And I'm thinking, where in the world did it go? Had no clue. But then my mother, whom 
next to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there was Mama. You know, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Mama. That's just divine order. But one night, I was at my mom's house. I was, I was living out on my own at the time. But I would go to her house and hide stuff. But, because <laughs> um, I knew nobody would look at my mama's house. But she, she, we were sitting in the room, and, and she just sits there, and she, she, she had her Bible in her lap, which mama always did most of the time. She didn't read anything else but the Bible. But she looked up at me, and she says, Son, you know, the Bible says that your sins will find you out. I was like, what? Son, you know your sins will find you out. I'm like, Mama, what are you talking about? She says, you know what I'm talking about. And it was almost like this big flashing neon light above my head going, guilty, guilty, guilty. kind of the way I felt when I came to the end of myself. And this is, this is such a part of my testimony that I grew up in a very, very legalistic environment. I mean, I heard about hell all the time. I mean, I heard about hell so much, I almost felt like the preacher wanted me to go there. I mean... Or else he was really desperate for me not to go. One or the other, I don't know. But I heard about hell every sermon. I mean, I, one time I was hearing about hell and I fell asleep. And, uh, and, and the last thing I remember before I fell asleep was, if you go to hell, you're going to be alone. It's going to be dark. You're going to be full of fear. That's the last thing I heard. And I woke up and it was dark. I was alone, and I was afraid. Because <laughs> we grew up in a family of 11 kids, and we had a 1950 Chevrolet car that we drove to church 20 miles, and we would always bring three or four people with us. Count them up. That's mom and dad, 11 kids, and whoever else. There were times, folks, I am not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating. If we did this today, we would be locked up. But we went to church with my brother sitting on the hood, another friend sitting on the hood, two or three in the trunk, stacked up like cordwood in the back seat, squeezed in tight in the front seat. So many people that you couldn't move, you know, but we'd ride 20 miles to church. And me being the youngest boy, sometimes I would get squeezed in. I mean, I could have been gone for months and nobody would have ever know me. <laughs> But that night, when church was over, I fell asleep, and everybody went and got in the car. So they're going home, and my mom and dad start doing inventory, calling out names, and it's kind of like home alone, you know. They're going like down the line at the airport, and they're calling out names. They get to the back, Kevin, and they're passing Kevin's bag to the back. You know, the Kevin is the character. They get to the back, and the mother takes the bag, and she says, Kevin, 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 they get back. And she takes the bag and she turns and there's looks and there's no Kevin. And she goes, Kevin! And passes out. 
But that's kind of the way it was. And what mom and dad, they do in the inventory and they find out I'm not there. So they turn around and come back to get me and they stop at a store. Long story short, everything turned out good. But, but what I'm saying is you hear this message constantly, but it had no impact. It did, but it didn't. What really, really, really made an impact in my life was when I realized that the reason Jesus died on the cross is to pay the penalty for all the bad things I had done. The guiltless for the guilty. When I saw Jesus hanging on the cross and just for a split second, I had a vision of Jesus hanging on the cross and for a split second, I was on the cross. But then Jesus was back in my place. And I understood the impact of what Jesus had done. He did it for me. He did it for you. The guiltless for the guilty. He came to die in our place for God so loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. What a gift. The greatest gift that has ever, ever, ever been given. He's given us light. He brought light into my dark world. And I remember that when I gave my life to Jesus, it was like when I got up off of my knees and all the guilt was gone, all of a sudden I could see clearly. I could see it was just like the birds were singing and it wasn't even daylight yet. You know, it was, it was awesome. It was just like all of a sudden all I wanted to do was live because life came into me. And that's what Jesus wants to give to all of us if we're willing to accept it. And that's what this light is all about. Jesus is the light of the world. Not only does he come to give us light, but he comes to give others light through us. They can see us shining brightly. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, he says, you are a city set on a hill. You give light to all around you. And you don't take a light and put it under a bushel basket. You take a light and you put it up on the lampstand so it can give light to the whole house. He said, therefore, so let your light shine before men. that They may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We have a gift that we carry around inside of us. And the greatest gift that we can give to anybody else is the gift of life. The greatest gift that we can give anybody else is the light of Jesus that's inside of us. Tell them the story. Tell them the good news. That's what it's all about. People need to know about Jesus because he truly is the light of the world. He's the gift that God gave us, that, that gift that's matchless. We can't match what God's done for us. And when the kids were up here singing or, or playing their little drums, and, 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 and I know last Sunday they got a lot more excited back there because they didn't have all y'all looking at them, but... You know, last Sunday morning, we're sitting up here, and all of a sudden, I, I, I thought, sounds like a jet plane taking off or something. And I, I, I started to get a little concerned, and I, I thought, man, is the air conditioning or the heat going haywire or something? So I got up to go see what it was, and I got closer to the kids' area back there, and, and I could tell the noise was coming from there, but they had the door shut. Well, Justin was standing outside. I said, what in the world's going on? He said, oh, they're practicing their little drummer boy. I said, what are they doing? He said, well, I got buckets for them to beat on. And, and, and they literally cracked some of them. <laughs> but they were excited. But listen, we need to have that same excitement in ourselves. For what Jesus has given you. I mean, when you unwrap that gift on, that thing you've always been wanting, that thing you've been desirous for, 
You know, you, you give your Christmas gift and you just sit and you, you wait with bated breath. Hey, am I going to get it? Am I going to get it? You know? And then when we open it up, there it is. We're like, whoa, I got it. Well, that's the way it is when we receive the gift of life. When we realize the impact of what God has done for us and the gift that he's given, it's not something that we, we despise and we reject. It's something we embrace. And once we get it, it's like, thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. I just, I just can't thank you enough. I don't know about you, but I just can't thank God enough for the gift that he's given to me. I mean, that gift just keeps blessing. It it never grows old. And and like frankincense and myrrh, I've carried this thing around in my pocket. It's almost gone, but the scent is just as strong today as it was the day that I opened it up. It just smells so sweet. You can almost smell it from where you guys are, can't you? That sweet-smelling savor. That's what the fragrance of Jesus is like. That sweet-smelling savor, that frankincense and myrrh. And when we walk around with the light of Jesus, and we show the love of Jesus, and we spread that aroma of Jesus, and we offer the gift to others, which is more precious than any gold or silver or any other thing. Brian, you just need some of this right on the tip of your nose right there. So you can, you can just smell it. There you go. You just carry it with you. But God is so good, isn't he? That sweet-smelling savor, that aroma of Jesus. It's attractive. It makes people just want to come over and say, I just want to be near you. You just got the aroma of Jesus about you. And all we can say is all him. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? It's the goodness of God. It's the light of God inside of us. What a gift. And you are a gift. You are a gift because you got Jesus in you. And we just, you know, it's not so much what we wrap up and stick under the tree that really has meaning or gives meaning to what God has done through sending his son. And so we we unwrap ourselves and we just show forth the glory and the goodness of God. And allow Jesus to be revealed in us because he revealed the heart of the Father. We also reveal the heart of the Father, a heart of compassion, a heart of love, a heart of giving, a heart of purpose. See, God doesn't do anything without purpose. Nothing happens by accident with Father. Everything has grand design, and you have grand design. That's why we're here at Destiny Cities to help others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Because every one of us have one. We all have purpose. And we follow the will of God. We fulfill that destiny that God has for us. Oh, we can choose to go our own way and have our own destiny in mind. Just mess everything up. But God has divine plans for us. His plan is for you to know his love. To know his goodness. To embrace it. Would you stand with me this morning?
You know, we all have dates marked on our calendars. Moments in our life that have meaning. And I want to tell you about a date, August the 15th, 1975, at about 3.30 in the morning. You know what day that is? That's my birthday. That was the day that I invited Jesus to come into my life. My first birthday was January the 24th, 1955, but the most important, the most significant birthday is August the 15th, 1975. That's when I became what God intended me to be. That's when I started becoming. But instantly I became his son. I became his child. It took a long time for me to begin to realize the impact of that, what that really means. Because you see, when we're babies, we just don't understand the implications. You know, as, as little ones, we just, we just want to play. We want to, we don't understand what sonship is all about. But when we get a little bit older, you know, when you get to a certain age, you want to know what daddy has. Pops, what you going to be able to leave me? What have you got laid up for me, you know? But I want to tell you, Pops, our Father, Daddy, God, has given to us, He's he's given us everything. And it's all in Him. It's all in Jesus. The greatest gift that's ever been given. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I want to ask you a question. What have you done with the gift that God has given? Have you accepted and embraced that gift? Are are you rejecting the gift that God has given? Because maybe you love the darkness you're walking in at this moment. You're not ready to embrace the light of the truth. And the truth is this, that we're all sinners because we we don't want to admit that we're sinners, that we need anything. The fact of the matter is we're all bankrupt and we need Jesus. For all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means you, me, and everybody else. We need a Savior. And that was the gift that God gave. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to give you everything and more that your heart could ever desire. But you know, when Jesus comes into our heart, we realize the magnitude of the gift that God has given. All we want is Him. More of Jesus. More of Him living inside of us. That's when the light comes on. We realize. We realize God's grace. The outflow of the goodness and the mercy of God that He gives to each one of us. If you're here this morning and you've not yet experienced, you've not yet surrendered to the grace of God, today is your day. I don't know of a better time than right now, right in this moment, for you to take that monumental step in your life and you'll look back upon this day and you'll say, on this day, on this day, December the 17th, 
2017, I made a decision that literally changed everything. I became born again. I gave my life to Jesus and my life changed. I embraced the light and the truth of God. And I'm a sinner and I need a savior. God's speaking to you this morning and, and, and God is, is touching your heart with this message this morning. Then right now is the opportunity for you to respond and say, Pastor, you know, I've, I've waited long enough. I put it on long, off long enough. Today is my day. And right now, I want to embrace the truth of the gospel. I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand for just a moment? That's all I ask you to do. Just lift it up this morning. Does anyone would say, Pastor, I want Jesus in my life. I need what you're talking about. Is there anyone that will be honest with yourself? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Would say, Pastor, today's the day. You have a day in your life. I want this day in my life. Today's the day. Is there anyone else? Say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly. I'm not going to keep you here all day, but it's important. This is a life and death question that I'm asking you. This is not like asking you, you don't want to buy this car? No. Would you take curtain A or curtain B? No. This is, this is real. This is, this is life itself. This is a life and death question that I'm asking you this morning. Do you want Jesus in your life? Are you willing to make this a moment of surrender to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Anyone else? Anyone else? Quickly. Come on. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Come on. Anyone else? Anyone else? Today's your day. Let's just take it one step farther this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Today's your day. This is your opportunity. Well, you know, Jesus said, if we deny him before men, he will also deny us before his father. I just want you to take a step this morning, a step of faith. If you raise your hand this morning, would you just step out and make your way down to the altar? We got some people that will come and pray with you. As a matter of fact, I'd like for our altar workers to just come on down. And you can just make your way with them. Anyone else? Thank you. Those of you who raised your hand this morning, would you just come on? We want to pray with you. This is your day. This is your moment to surrender your life to Jesus. There's so many that have made that walk, that have surrendered their lives to Christ. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.